Chapter Twelve of the Widow Married: A Sequel to the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: Judgments Formed and Sentiments Generated. An Animated Discussion, followed by a Reasonable Result. Some folks wiser in their generation than other folks. The Cousins, a Delightful Day, and its Conclusion the o'donagough family remained perfectly silent till the door of the house was distinctly heard to close after their departing guests and even then mr o'donagough who had stepped to the window and so placed his eyes as to obtain a sidelong glance after them continued to hold his finger to his nose in token that no word was to be spoken till they had passed beyond the possibility of hearing it perhaps this extreme caution arose from a sort of prophetic consciousness on the part of mr o'donagough that when his daughter did speak it was likely to be with considerable energy nor if this were the case did he at all miscalculate no sooner did his finger quit his nose and his eyes direct themselves into the room instead of out of it than his wife and daughter both quote, cried havoc and let slip the dogs of war and quote. in plain prose they both burst forth into the most vehement and unsparing abuse of miss hubert's dress manner and general appearance isn't it a most extraordinary and unaccountable thing exclaimed mrs o'donagough that such a really elegant-looking woman as my niece agnes should choose to let her daughter go such a fright did any one ever see such an object it is a perfect mystery to me and that is the truth and pray how is she to help it replied patty her mother did not make her i suppose if she did not make her she made her bonnet rejoined her mother or at any rate she made her put it on and i am sure that if it had been an old extinguisher it could not have answered better for turning her into an object and a fright lor mamma what does the bonnet signify it only looks as if they hadn't a penny in the world but you won't pretend to tell me that if that lanky monster of a girl was to have as beautiful a bonnet as my pink one on it would make her look like anything else but what she is and that's as ugly as sin and you know it well patty said her father and if she is it's all the better for you my dear so i don't see why you should look so put out about it if what your mother says is to come true and you are to be taken to court and everywhere along with her it is a great deal better that you should outdo her than that she should outdo you these judicious remarks considerably softened the aspect of miss o'donagough she no longer looked like a hedgehog in attitude of declared hostility to all comers nay she almost smiled as she replied laura mercy papa you don't think i'm going to cry because my cousin isn't a beauty do you i am sure i can't say what may happen about the taking patty to court mr o'donagough observed mrs o'donagough with rather an anxious look that you know must depend altogether on the degree of intimacy that grows between us and of course it will depend in a very great measure upon patty herself oh my gracious cried the young lady i am sure i shan't do anything to get intimate with that scaramouche of a girl so you need not reckon upon it mind that i'd see the queen and the king too if there was one and all the princes and princesses upon the face of the earth at the bottom of the red sea before i'd demean myself to lick the feet of such a nasty vulgar ugly beast of a girl as that now patty i think you go rather too far said her father not that i want you to lick anybody's feet that's not the best way to get on in the world but though your cousin is not to be compared with you as a fine handsome bouncing girl of her age i don't think she is too ugly to speak to either do you know i should not wonder if some people were to think her quite pretty 
the quills rose again in the eyes and on the lips of the susceptible patty how can you stand there talking such nonsense papa said she sharply as if i cared whether she was pretty or ugly but when mamma talks of our getting intimate with her or of our ever being such friends as betty sheepshanks and i was it is altogether provoking and i would advise you both to give up the notion at once for it never will and it never shall be nasty stiff great baby i tell you what patty said mrs o'donagough stoutly though secretly trembling at the reception her unpalatable invitation to the nursery dinner was likely to receive i tell you what miss if you choose to set up your back at my relations in this way i'll never try to make one of them take notice of you and i should like to see where you would be then and what good all the nice clothes i have been getting together would prove without a single soul to look at them don't keep knitting your brows that way patty you don't look much handsomer than your cousin now i can tell you i only wish you could see yourself well ma'am i can see myself easy enough if that's all replied miss patty turning to the looking-glass arranging her hair and then flashing round again upon her admiring mother i am not at all ashamed to look at my own face it would be rather odd if you were patty i won't deny that said mrs o'donagough smiling with a look of very undisguised admiration but that's neither here nor there my dear we won't talk of your beauty before your face because that's very bad manners and into the bargain it is a great deal more to the purpose to determine what it will be the best to do about the time of your going to-morrow my dear my niece agnes who i must say seems inclined to do everything in her power to make you and elizabeth as intimate as possible has desired as the greatest favour in the world that you should spend the whole day with her that is to say go quite early patty and not ceremoniously like your papa and me you know at six o'clock but between one and two that you may take a long chatty ramble with her by the seaside after an early dinner i hope you will like that my dear i am sure it is paying you a monstrous compliment like it replied patty raising her voice to a very shrill tone i like playing at being a baby all day long with that stupid oaf of a girl i can't and i won't and that's flat nonsense patty said mr o'donagough that's not the way to get on i promise you i won't have you quarrel with your bread and butter in that style go to be sure you will and be thankful too if you know what's what and pray what am i to do with my beautiful striped gauze dress and my blue satin shoes am i to walk out with miss gawky in that fashion no my dear that is quite impossible no you cannot go full dressed as we intended that is entirely out of the question for this time said her mother you must just wear your new mousseline de laine patty it is an elegant thing and yet quite good style for a morning and your pink bonnet you know and the scarf so that you will be perfectly first-rate in appearance and enjoy besides the enormous advantage of letting everybody in brighton see that you are considered as one of the hubert family i wish with all my soul cried patty that every one of the hubert family had been packed off for botany bay the day we left it i see as plain as daylight that you and papa both mean to lead me to the life of a dog about em you will make me run away if you do i'll tell you that for i know i can't bear it don't put yourself in such a fuss patty for heaven's sake said her mother but more coaxingly than scoldingly for she still stood in very considerable dread of a final and positive refusal think my dear girl before you say so of the beautiful fine parties and the bows and the dances you'll be sure to come in for in berkeley square if you do but play your cards well now 
think of all this patty and do your very best to get thick with elizabeth hubert patty your mother's right this time said mr o'donagough so go at the time fixed and say no more about it i'll take you into a box at the playhouse the night after if you'll be a good girl miss o'donagough had a phrase which will explain these words produced upon her namely when papa's in earnest he is in earnest the promised play too undoubtedly helped her decision and altogether she was induced after distorting her much-admired beauty by more than one grimace to reply well if i must i must but it is as bad as being whipped i can tell you that the subject was then judiciously permitted to drop and the far future of next winter in london with all the joys it might bring took its place effectually arming the mind of patty for the endurance of whatever present annoyance might arise which acting like catholic penances should lead to such a paradise meanwhile general hubert his lady and daughter pursued their way homeward it was probably not altogether from lack of a subject that they walked on so silently but instead of words mrs hubert only pressed her husband's arm to which he replied by somewhat of a more caressing pressure in return and the quietly smiling pronunciation of the word well neither did their daughter say much continuing to hold her mother's hand in silence till the door-bell of their own mansion had been rung and then smiling a little and colouring a good deal she said is not my cousin older than i am mamma she looks a vast deal older certainly was the reply do you think she will like to play at looking for shells among the shingles with emily and me perhaps not my dear you must endeavour to entertain her by rational conversation said mrs hubert entering the house and not sorry perhaps to interrupt the discussion by desiring her daughter immediately to get ready for the dinner which was waiting for her it was tete-a-tete therefore that general hubert and his wife entered the drawing-room and there was something whimsical enough in the manner in which their eyes encountered after silently seating themselves in two arm-chairs which faced each other agnes pursed up her beautiful mouth and endeavoured to look grave but the moment her eyes met those of her husband they both laughed this movement of the muscles however was quite involuntary on the part of the lady and speedily mastering it she said pray don't general hubert pray don't laugh at it what can we do i cannot choose but laugh agnes replied her husband if you look so comically dismayed and after all my dear i cannot say that we have seen anything that ought greatly to surprise us your aunt barnaby is as little altered as it is possible she could be in the time i think of mr o'donagough i have no remembrance but he appears to me quite as well-looking and respectable a personage as we could reasonably hope for rather evangelical i suspect but under the circumstances i see no reason to object to this and as for their daughter i cannot but think that she is as precisely what mrs barnaby's daughter might be expected to be as it is possible to imagine wherefore dear wife look not so despondingly but thank the gods that matters are no worse all this was said lightly and gaily but mrs hubert seemed to have lost all inclination to laugh i would not be ungrateful to the gods montague said she but i must own i feel the arrival of the o'donagoughs to be a very great misfortune no no not so returned her husband not a very great misfortune agnes you must not class it so aunt betsy will be a little outrageous perhaps but we must contrive to soothe her and for the rest be quite sure that a little good management to prevent our meeting often and a little quiet patient civility when we do meet will suffice to prevent any very serious annoyance but our girl hubert you take the thing so admirably en philosophe that i will cease to torment myself about you 
but is it not grievous that elizabeth should find a cousin more bright and blooming than herself we must bear this agnes said the general but this is all miss o'donagough will do elizabeth no harm you may depend upon it soothed if not satisfied mrs hubert indulged in no more repinings for the present and feeling something like self-reproach at having experienced so much more vehement a distaste for her relations than her noble husband appeared to do she determined as far as possible to conquer or at any rate to conceal it to elizabeth she said little more on the subject but to miss wilmot the daughter of her own early friend and instructress she ventured to speak with entire freedom the peculiarities of her aunt barnaby were already perfectly well known to this lady and therefore without scruple of any kind she ventured to confess to her that although she wished every possible attention and kindness to be shown to miss o'donagough she did not wish the intercourse between the young ladies to grow into intimacy elizabeth is so childish miss wilmot continued mrs hubert that though i do not greatly fear her catching the singular manners of this poor girl i think she may not be capable of of disliking them i believe is the only honest word as much as i wish her to do not having yet seen the young lady replied miss wilmot smiling i can give no opinion upon this but if miss o'donagough be like what mrs compton describes her mother to have been elizabeth will not like her too well very punctually at two o'clock mr o'donagough himself conducted his young daughter to the door of general hubert and there took leave of her till the evening his parting words being now patty mind your p's and q's i know your mother often plagues you with a monstrous deal of preaching about one thing and another and you know i never scold you for laughing at it but she's right this time about making the very best of yourself with those stiff disagreeable people mind that patty don't you trouble yourself about my turning em all to good account if anything's to be got out of em replied the young lady with an expressive wink of the left eye and if i mind my hits that way i expect you'll let me hate em as much as i please that is fair isn't it the house-door opened as she finished a sentence and her father departed replying to it only by an acquiescent nod miss o'donagough was immediately ushered into the back parlour where the table was already spread for dinner and her two cousins seated on either side of their governess who was reading to them miss edgeworth's tale of the prussian vase all three rose to receive her the little emily as well as miss wilmot was properly introduced by elizabeth and the necessary quantity of handshaking performed while miss wilmot laying aside the splendid pink bonnet and scarf of the gaily dressed visitor smiled furtively aside as she remembered mrs hubert's anxiety lest her pupil should be incapable of judging fitly of the peculiar graces she displayed there was however in elizabeth's behaviour to her cousin no symptom of her having as yet formed any judgment of her at all for her manner spoke only the most perfect good-humour and civility a little blended with embarrassment do you like the sea cousin martha was the first attempt at the rational conversation her mother had recommended what sailing upon it rejoined miss martha no i meant walking near it and looking at it replied elizabeth but i should like you to tell me all about sailing too you have sailed a great way have you not and i have never been on the sea at all except between dover and calais and even that you know is not sailing did you like your voyage like it yes to be sure i did it's monstrous good fun i think i should like it too said elizabeth i never see any large ship passing up and down the channel without wishing to be aboard her i don't know about your liking it replied miss martha i think you seem too young to take such pleasure in it as i did and besides i don't believe there's no fun i mean on board ship 
at least i should think so unless people are nearly grown up i don't think children would be taken so much notice of do you think so said elizabeth innocently i should fancy children might be very well amused don't you think emily that you should like to run up and down the deck of a great large ship yes i should said the little one stoutly and i should not care if anybody noticed me or not i suppose not indeed you little thing said martha laughing did the sea disagree with you at all miss o'donagough inquired miss wilmot oh lor yes i was as sick as a cat for the first week replied the young lady you never saw anything like it in your life no sooner did i swallow anything you understand with an appropriate grimace but i had a good friend on board who took capital care of me and always showed me which side of the ship to walk and helped me up and down and all that sort of thing you know and so by degrees it went off and then i was as jolly as a tinker and such an appetite oh my how i did eat and then we got to famous fun with ship billiards and all the rest of the time till we got to sheerness i liked it better than anything else in the whole world and after sheerness i suppose you felt impatient to get to land said elizabeth yes i did succinctly replied miss o'donagough i do not wonder at that i think you must have been so impatient to see england oh no not i i did not care a straw about england just then but we lost one of our best friends at sheerness and that spoilt everything had you many passengers on board i am sure i hardly know anything about em they were all nasty people all nasty people exclaimed little emily yes little one all nasty people replied martha laughing i suppose she thinks i mean all dirty people what a funny little soul when you are as old as me miss emmy you'll know what ladies mean when they call people nasty we don't mean dirty clothes nor dirty faces neither but just everybody we don't like if you don't like me will you say i am nasty demanded the little girl looking at her rather reproachfully to be sure i shall but i won't dislike you if you'll give me a kiss for i think you are very pretty but if i was not very pretty should you call me nasty persisted the child yes i dare say i should for i hate everybody that is not pretty replied martha at the same time making one of her father's peculiar grimaces in such a manner as to indicate that miss wilmot was in her thoughts without making any reply respecting the offered salute the little emily turned towards the governess and after leaning against her knee for a minute or two took an opportunity when she bent her head of putting her arms round her neck and giving her a kiss well now if she isn't kept in good order i'll wonder said martha chuckling she knows what a whipping is or i'm much mistaken this was addressed in rather a low confidential voice to elizabeth but before she could reply to it the door opened and the dinner entered that's no bad sight early as it is for dining i am as hungry as a horse miss elizabeth where am i to sit what here next to the old lady let me sit at the bottom and carve shall i you shall see if i don't do it fit to be a married woman la what a nice dinner what a pity it is we have got no bows no opposition being made to miss o'donagough's placing herself at the bottom of the table she sat down and began vigorously to attack a leg of lamb intended as the piece de resistance of the entertainment will you not take some fish miss o'donagough demanded miss wilmot yes if there is butter and sauce with it replied martha 
but some of you must have mutton cause i've cut this piece off here little one you shall have it emily looked into the face of her governess but said nothing send it to me my dear if you please said miss wilmot but do not cut any more yet the young ladies both take fish the dinner sauce and all being greatly to miss o'donagough's satisfaction her spirits rose as it proceeded and she went on in a sort of crescendo movement eating and talking till she had got into the highest possible good humour well after all i think we shall be monstrous good friends elizabeth said she putting a third glass of custard into her plate and i don't know but what it may be better fun dining in this way and eating as much as i like than if i had come in my gauze frock and sat up doing grand with the old fograms in the dining-room i do hate old people like poison don't you to this appeal elizabeth answered nothing but almost involuntarily gave such a look to her governess as friends are apt to exchange when something striking occurs upon which for the moment they can make no other commentary martha saw this look and interpreting it in her own way shook her curls gave a slight laugh and said no more persuaded that her cousin had intended to caution her against being too open-hearted in the presence of that first and foremost of the fograms her governess but although this persuasion silenced her for the moment it rather added to her good humour and on setting out for the promised walk by the seaside she took the arm of miss hubert with very cousinly familiarity and drew her forward with a rapid step in the hope of outwalking the governess and emily and thereby ensuring a little fun and a great deal of confidential communication miss wilmot who knew her pupil well and feared not any injury to her from the association beyond its present annoyance made no effort to overtake them and contented herself by answering as sedately and discreetly as she could the speculations of the little emily on their guest which partook largely of that peculiar vein of observation in which children sometimes remark on what appears ridiculous to them with a freshness and keenness of quizzing that might be sought for in vain in the sallies of the most practised proficients in the art on reaching the steps in the cliff miss o'donagough had the extreme delight of perceiving that two gay-looking youths in regimentals had just descended them and were walking slowly onward the way they were about to go make haste elizabeth ain't we lucky she exclaimed on perceiving them and setting the example of the speed she recommended she placed her hand on the rail and ran down with extraordinary rapidity to the bottom of the flight though the light movements of her young companion hardly permitted her being very slow martha chid her delay and ere she had fairly reached the last step seized on her arm and by a vigorous pull obliged her to clear it by a jump what a slow fool you are elizabeth she exclaimed again taking her arm and drawing her rapidly forward let us pass them directly and i'll bet a guinea that before we have made five steps they will pass us why do you wish them to pass us martha said her companion with perfect simplicity miss o'donagough looked back thinking from these words that the governess must be within hearing but on the contrary perceiving that she had stopped to fasten emily's shoe she began laughing in a tone so loud that the young men both turned round to reconnoitre the moment their eyes fell upon the young ladies they stepped aside and permitted them to pass raising their hats at the same time in salutation miss hubert bowed and walked on well done you elizabeth said her companion strongly compressing her arm and tittering very audibly how beautiful they look don't they but they are only ensigns both of them i can tell you that i wish to goodness i knew their names do not speak so loud cousin martha or they will hear you said elizabeth innocently it is lord william southwood and mr templeton a lord 
cried the startled martha instantly turning round her head to look at them you don't say so and he bowing to us so politely don't you think we had better sit down upon that stone they must pass by it you see cause of the water coming in so isn't this capital fun miss hubert was by no means a stupid girl but she no more comprehended her cousin's exclamations than if they had been uttered in hebrew and replied very simply no don't sit there martha there is a much better place a little farther on where miss wilmot always lets us sit down and if you did like looking for shells you would find plenty there such as they are looking for shells exclaimed martha bursting into loud laughter oh my what a fool you are or is it only put on elizabeth that's it i see through it i'll be hanged if i don't you are a deep one with your bowings and knowing so well what their names are and all what do you mean cousin martha how can i help knowing the names of those two gentlemen if it is of them you are speaking replied miss hubert they both dined at our house yesterday gracious goodness is that true elizabeth dined at your house and one of them a lord will they come there again to-day i do not know replied elizabeth laughing in her turn but i am afraid not they do not come every day why didn't you speak to them you stupid girl if you know them so well demanded martha reproachfully i don't know them well replied her cousin i never see them except for a very little while after dinner in the drawing-room have they been there more than once inquired martha yes several times i think at least lord william has i don't remember seeing the other so often oh how i wish i do think it was very but both sentences warmly as they flowed from her heart were cut short ere completed by the prudent martha who at that moment recalled her mother's words concerning the importance of an intimate intercourse with the hubert family never did the admonition of a parent come more forcibly upon the heart of a child i must keep in with them if i die for it was the mental exclamation which followed the remembrance of this maternal warning and perceiving on once more turning round her head that the officers had changed the direction of their walk she again took the arm of her cousin who had quitted her side for a moment to examine a choice morsel of seaweed and began a direct and deliberate attack upon her affections by praising her eyes and the handkerchief that was tied round her neck hinting that she thought her mamma kept her a great deal too back and that her governess was already afraid of her concluding with an assurance that she never liked any girl so well before in all her life and that she hoped to her heart they should be very intimate and stick together like very near relations as they really were to all this elizabeth answered gently and civilly but reached home at last with a feeling of self-reproach for being so very tired of her cousin's company their tea-table awaited their return and notwithstanding the sublime speculations for the future which filled the heart and head of miss o'donagough the cherries and the cakes spread before her were sufficiently attractive to keep her tranquilly in the schoolroom till the ladies had left the dinner-parlour now we will go upstairs and see your mamma shall we said miss hubert oh yes if you will i'm quite ready when i've done eating this one queen cake more and you really don't know if there's any officers or not dining here replied her cousin no indeed i do not was the unsatisfactory reply it is very probable that neither the aunt nor the niece were very sorry to have their tete-a-tete interrupted by the entrance of miss wilmot and the young ladies mrs o'donagough had already obtained all particulars respecting the present residence and manner of life of her dear brother-in-law mr willoughby 
and of the number of grandchildren bestowed upon him by his daughter nora had expressed the most heartfelt delight at hearing that she would be sure to see them all during the ensuing season in london and was by that time quite ready to scrutinize the countenance of her daughter in order to ascertain how the long day had answered great was the contentment which attended this examination of a countenance exceedingly capable of showing whether its owner were pleased or the contrary it was immediately evident to mrs o'donagough that her daughter was in one of her most amiable moods and though there had been no party at dinner and consequently but little opportunity of displaying the studied elegance of her own appearance still the style of everything about her darling agnes was such as to make her feel more sensibly than ever the immense importance of being united to her by the tenderest ties of affection it could not therefore fail of being very delightful to her to perceive that martha whom as she had told her husband she greatly feared she should find in the dumps was radiant in smiles and good humour and apparently on the best possible terms with that stupid shy-looking thing her cousin not only indeed had the dinner the servants and the plate of her beloved agnes excited all the warm affections of mrs o'donagough's heart but the observations she had made on her husband during the repast tended to convince her very forcibly that he too cautiously as he had hitherto expressed his feelings on the subject attached great importance to the connection never had she before seen him as he appeared to her on this important day quiet reserved respectful rather religious in his language but with amiable humility abstaining from giving too serious a tone to the conversation his wife gazed and listened with equal admiration and astonishment while he developed a degree of talent for which she even in her fondest days had never given him credit it shall not be my fault said she internally if he is not rewarded for all this cleverness he knows what he is about as well as most men and he shan't be stopped for want of a helping hand from me accordingly mrs o'donagough was enchanted beyond the power of language to express with her little great-niece emily declared elizabeth by far the loveliest creature she had ever seen and was obliged to pull out her pocket-handkerchief when speaking of their dear grandmother and the astonishing likeness which they both bore her mrs hubert listened to it all with great sweetness but suffered no great time to elapse between the coffee and the tea and hinted to miss wilmot that she did not wish emily to be kept up beyond her usual hour very soon after her departure mr o'donagough broke off his mild discussion with the general on the importance of enforcing a pure morality throughout the army and rising said i am afraid it is getting very late my dear you know my habits and must not suffer even the happiness of this blessed reunion to interfere with what we know to be our duty on this mrs o'donagough rose too with a look of meekness that really seemed quite angelic saying oh no not for the world and as if moved by the most perfect family sympathy martha slapped too the volume of engraving she was examining at the same moment so that the leave-taking was sudden and prompt and in less than two minutes after it began the allen o'donagough family found themselves enjoying the sea-breeze on the broad flagstones of the marine parade thank god that's over cried mr allen o'donagough as soon as they had fairly cleared the premises i shall not be sorry to get home and have a draught of porter it has been so dreadfully hot all day observed his lady but to be sure nothing could be kinder or more flattering oh lor i am as tired as a dog exclaimed martha stretching out her arms and yawning vehemently but i don't care a straw i know what i know about the people that visit there and i'll be hanged if i don't care to be one of them you are your father's own child patty 
said mr o'donagough recovering his usual tone we shall make something of em between us well to be sure it is a pleasure to introduce you both to my relations and depend upon it you will never repent being civil to them said his wife with rather a mysterious nodding of the head made visible as they reached their own door by the light of the lamp that hung over it End of chapter twelve